Hi, and welcome to Knowledge Counts. I'm Wendy Hobbs. Today we're talking to Mike Gabbert of BTY Group's Prairies Region about P3 projects. Mike, what does P3 stand for and what does it mean? Yeah, a P3 project is uh, short for public-private partnership and it's a procurement route that's used by authorities uh, generally to procure large-scale infrastructure investments, uh, hospitals, schools, wastewater treatment plants, roadways, etc. And it involves uh, bringing a private pro- proponent to the table to provide uh, everything from design build, financing, operations and maintenance services over the course of the assets life cycle. How is P3 used and what kind of project is it used for? Generally speaking, a P3 project will be utilized when specific expertise is required to design and build a project and operate and maintain it and the owner or authority is looking to transfer the risk of everything from the design, the build, the financing, the operations and maintenance of that project to another party and still obtain the asset for use for the uh, for the people. And so, for example, if you looked at a wastewater treatment plant, which has very specialized expertise that's required, it's very intensive on the design and the operations and the maintenance to keep employees up to date on that to maintain the required expertise in a municipality can be quite onerous. And the requirement for a new treatment plant only comes along every 20 or 40 years and as such um, when looking at how to best procure that project um, an opportunity may arise looking at a p3 where you can bring in the expertise from the private sector to build it and to operate and maintain it and you can provide them either assistance with financing or availability payments through the term on the project in order to um, make it financially viable for them and still maintain your asset. And then at the end of the life cycle or the term that's agreed, which may be uh, typically 30 years, based on the the requirements of the contract for uh, life cycling the asset over that period of time, you would theoretically get back a like new asset at the end of that term. And in essence, you're transferring the risk associated with uh, deferred maintenance and ongoing maintenance and operations, as well as the initial design of the project and the financing over to the private sector. P3 is relatively new to Canada, but it's been used in other countries for a long time. How did it become integral in Canada? P3s have been used for decades across the globe as a procurement route. Um, most notably in the UK. Um, They've come to Canada in the last 15 to 20 years and in particular in the last 10 years there's been a a very wide use of them. Uh, The Canadian model has evolved over time over the last two decades to the point where it is seen as one of the leading models for P3 procurement globally based on the the contracts, the way they're structured uh, for both the project agreement into the operations and maintenance and the handback conditions. And so they are used across Canada. They vary in the use uh, by jurisdiction and are most widely used on uh, hospitals, schools, treatment plants, uh, road networks, and generally speaking, public infrastructure. Why is the professional quantity surveyor important to a P3 project? Yeah, the role of the professional quantity surveyor 
PQS on a P3 project really covers the full spectrum of a PQS's skill set. There are generally three main roles that a PQS is often engaged to perform on a P3 project. And these can be broken up into cost consulting services at the initial planning stages, uh, lenders technical advisor or LTA during the bid and construction phase and independent certifier services during construction. Can you talk a bit more about the P3 process? So at the initial planning stages, uh, a PQS is often engaged as part of the owner's planning and compliance team where they will work with the design team based uh, to provide indicative cost estimates based on a combination of the reference or concept design, the space requirements and a performance specification. And at this stage, multiple options are often costed to ensure adequacy of the budget. And the estimates will be inclusive of total project costs, which will comprise the hard construction costs, the soft costs, such as financing fees, the design build team fees, owner admin costs, owner compliance team costs. Uh, inclusive to this, they'll often do cash flow forecasting based on the expected schedule duration for the mandate in an effort to assist in determining the expected expenditure over the build period. And there may be requests uh, for additional services to provide life cycle cost estimating and facility maintenance and operations maintenance costing uh, to provide a picture of the whole life cost of the asset. Those estimates would be based off the initial capital costing, the performance specification, and then historical data related to the specific asset that's being developed. We'll also be involved in uh, value analysis throughout that process looking at when we're looking at different options we're also looking at different uh, materials that could be used in the design specification and how they impact that overall cost. There will also be times when the PQS is asked to provide different estimates to consider the impact of the procurement model on the costing in order to provide a comparator for the owner to evaluate and assess the viability of the procurement model for that particular project. So a PQS is very well situated to provide these services as we obviously one of our core uh, services is to provide uh, pre-design and design stage estimating. And so utilizing that expertise and the data that a, a quantity surveyor collects, you're able to, at that very early stage, provide um, a realistic assessment of the cost for that project and then work through the multiple options that are available and then apply your skill set with respect to the life cycle costing and the O&M costing as well. So it's very uniquely positioned where a, a properly trained professional quantity surveyor can complete those tasks for the owner. The next role that a PQS is most often engaged on would be during the bid and construction phase and you'd be engaged by a lender and consortium to provide lenders technical advisory services or LTA and this service is broken up into a few stages and those notably would be the pre-bid, the construction monitoring and the operations monitoring. In this service, the PQS is engaged by a lender to provide an initial technical due diligence report of a proponent or consortium's proposed bid submission. The goal is to assess the project risks and the consortium's proposed mitigation strategies and report back on those to the lender. Um, the initial review is quite comprehensive and it does evolve over the bid period based on the available information as it's developed by the proponent. And to complete this report, the PQS will undertake a review of all the major components and this will cover the project agreement, the financing agreement, the contractual agreements between the proponent and their design build partner and their operations and maintenance provider. You'll review the proposed design, the construction estimate, 
the schedule, the cash flow forecast, the regulatory requirements, uh, the geotechnical and environmental reports, the life cycle costing and the operations and maintenance plan. And you'll be looking to vet these and find any particular risk inherent in those and how the proponent intends to mitigate that risk. If the proponent team you're working with is successful, uh, then the PQS will transfer into a construction monitoring role on behalf of the lender where you'll continue to provide them with a, a regular, generally monthly comprehensive report that covers all items we've just noted in the pre-bid report as they progress to completion. Regular site visits will be undertaken to review the progress on site and confirm, uh, confirm construction progress. And this is in addition to a desktop review that's undertaken on a regular basis every month. You'll be looking again to highlight how the project is moving forward uh, with respect to the design, the scheduling, the permitting, and the actual physical progress, and look for any potential risks taking place during the project, how they're being handled by the design builder and the project co and the design team. And then you'll also review and assess the project co application for payment and the design builder's application for payment and recommend the lender a drawdown against the loan on a regular monthly basis. During this time, if there's a requirement for uh, based on a delay for an assessment of any penalties under the project agreement or under the credit agreement, the LTA will provide an opinion to the lender and assess these penalties as required, such as liquidated damages. After the construction completion phase, uh, the PQS would transfer into an annual or biannual role to review and report on the ongoing operations and maintenance of the asset and provide the lenders with an independent review of the activities and ensure that there is adherence to the project agreement requirements and the credit agreement requirements and that they're being met and undertaken as stipulated. The QS is really well positioned for this role. Again, it's utilizing all of the, all of the fundamental core aspects of being a professional quantity surveyor such as payment certification reviewing the progress on site being able to assess the claims for each individual line item in the costing and offer an opinion on those we'll be assessing any change orders or claims that come up as well and, and reviewing them for adequacy uh, you're reviewing and commenting on the schedule and the permitting process or the regulatory approval process and ensuring that there's compliance with that. And these are all core aspects that the quantity surveyor is employed on a regular basis to conduct on different procurement routes as well. The last role that the professional quantity surveyor could be engaged on for a P3 project would be the independent certifier role. So after a proponent is selected to proceed with the project, the authority and project co will jointly appoint an independent certifier as required under the project agreement. And the independent certifier will monitor the progress of the project over the construction period. They will be responsible for determining disputes and certifying substantial and final completion under the project agreement. Their duty of care is equal to each of the parties under the contract and their goal is to facilitate all of the actions required to achieve project completion. Generally, you'll produce a monthly report or a report as required by the parties on their timelines, which is meant to independently capture and report on the health of the project during the construction phase. And while the, the role of the IC can vary depending on the jurisdiction and the project agreement structure, there are some commonalities as referenced before that you will be uh, providing a monthly health check on the 
on the project. You will be mitigating and providing opinion on disputes and then certifying substantial and final completion under the project. So these are the three main roles that a professional quantity surveyor would get engaged on, typically in Canada on a P3 project, and they cover from concept to procurement through to construction completion and cover all of the various aspects that professional quantity surveyors are trained for over the years and to that they undertake on a daily and weekly basis in Canada. Can you talk a bit more about the P3 process? Yeah, so absolutely. Um, if you were to take part in the initial planning stages on behalf of the authority working as a cost consultant and providing the initial cost planning, you would typically be conflicted and then precluded from taking part as one of the uh, proponents bidding on the project. And this would generally be the same for all members of the owner's compliance team that you would be precluded from taking part as a member of a proponent team. If, however, it doesn't preclude you from taking part generally as the independent certifier at the um, during construction. So, and then if you work as the lender's technical advisor on behalf of a lender and a proponent team, you are often uh, conflicted and precluded from taking part in the independent certifier procurement. When the project gets turned over from the project company to the authority, what's the role there for the PQS? So the quantity servers will be involved through the life cycle of the project to do that annual or biannual reporting where they're looking at whether or not the project has been uh, life cycled appropriately under the terms of the contract and that the operations and maintenance are taking place as required. Depending on the contract structure and the role you're employed for, there may be an opportunity for the PQS to be involved in the handback review prior to project co-handing the project back over to the authority. Often as the projects run 30 to 40 year terms, um, we haven't had many of those projects come up yet to date, but they would be a valuable resource to both parties at that time, having been involved from concept right through to construction completion and reporting throughout the life cycle process to be well positioned in order to provide opinions on whether or not um, the requirements under the contract have been completed. Can you give us an example of a P3 project and walk us through how it works from the beginning? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So there was a project in um, Saskatoon where we were engaged to provide uh, initial cost consulting services on behalf of the owner uh, with the compliance team for a bridge project. And we took part in um, the initial concept design and obviously providing costs, you know, multiple op options and uh, various schemes for the project. Um, as noted, we provided uh, some life cycle costing on that as well, some value analysis, which then formed part of the business case that the team put forward uh, to apply for uh, funding under a federal grant for P3 projects at that time. Um, once that was completed, uh, obviously we were precluded from bidding as part of a or working as part of a proponent team uh, during the bid process. And once a proponent was selected, uh, we were provided the opportunity to um, provide a proposal for the independent certifier services under the contract, uh, which we did. And we were successful in, in obtaining that role. 
during the course of that role, we provided the independent certifier um, services as dictated by the contract um, through through construction, monitoring the health of the project, and then focusing on facilitating the process to achieve substantial and final completion under the project, which starts about a year out from uh, project completion and ramps up going from a, a monthly meeting to a bi-monthly into weekly into um, almost daily as you move towards the completion process and ensuring that all the requirements listed throughout the project agreement for uh, substantial and final completion were documented, uh, known to all parties, any particular issues were being discussed ahead of time, and that every item was being satisfied, or if it wasn't going to be satisfied immediately, that plan was in place and the parties had agreed to it to complete that item in due course. Once that project reaches completion, then there are some uh, potential additional works that need to be undertaken with respect to any deferred works that took place based on seasonal requirements, uh, which may take place a year to two years after the project has reached completion for some of the landscaping and, and final paving, et cetera, to take place over the years. And then ensuring that the warranty walkdowns have been completed and taking part of that with the owner and uh, proponent group. Now, the project has a 30 year term and uh, as such we haven't had to engage to be involved in any potential handback requirements at this point but it's a, a good example of where we were involved um, you know almost two years prior to the project um, being tendered and then obviously once tendered we're able to provide another proposal to bring our skill set to the table for the pro proponents and the ownership group and provide another service through to completion of the project. And the skill sets, as we've noted, are are quite varying between the different roles and the different stages of the project. So you do have um, professional quantity surveyors that will specialize in that initial cost planning stage on behalf of the owners. You will have uh, quantity surveyors that specialize specifically in the um, evaluation of the bids and the construction monitoring and payment certification services through construction on behalf of lenders. And again, you'll have uh, professional quantity surveyors that specialize in the uh, contractual due diligence required to complete the independent certifier role on behalf of the authority and project co as well. And so there's really something for everybody there, depending on where your specialty lies as a PQS in Canada. I've done a lot of project monitoring on private projects, and there seems to be a lot of similarities between project monitoring and the technical advisor role on a P3 project. Can you talk about the similarity and differences between those roles? There's definitely some crossover there, as you noted, with the skill set in terms of working on behalf of a lender to vet initially a, a proposal from a developer and then move into construction phase monitoring where you're acting as a lender's uh, payment certifier and recommending the drawdowns against the loan. There's definitely um, similarities in some of the initial items that you're reviewing and continuing to review through uh, construction progress. Some of those most notably would be the, the initial budgeting review of the hard costs, the regulatory compliance, uh, the environmental and the geotechnical aspect, and the permitting process and the scheduling review. Some of the differences lie in the nature of the P3 procurement route, which generally includes an operations and maintenance component. And so then you're involved in reviewing the operations and maintenance plan and the costing associated with that. And then based on the 
agreement in place where perhaps there's a 30 year term prior to handback. You're also looking at the life cycle requirements and vetting the life cycle plan and the life cycle costing over that time period. Most P3 projects also include a stipulated drawdown curve for the project co design builder to adhere to. So the cash flow forecasting takes on uh, a bit more of an intensive role where you're monitoring that cash flow and determining payouts based on that as well. You generally cannot claim more than the associated cash flow for a particular month under the agreement. And then you're monitoring the differential between that and any potential um, penalties associated with being behind schedule. And so there are a few differences that come into play just based on the nature of the procurement route. And that's generally that operations and maintenance and that handback period of being 30, 30 plus years. What do you find to be the most interesting part of working on a P3 project? Well, I think one of the really interesting parts about working on a P3 project is the nature of the work that's undertaken for the assets. So you're you're not generally looking at a residential or a commercial project. You're quite often looking at infrastructure work, which might be, as I noted, highways, uh, bridges, treatment plants, hospitals, um, potentially sports stadiums. So some pretty unique opportunities arise for an individual to become involved in projects that they might not normally see in the course of working on a more traditional residential or commercial or light industrial um, market market class. And so I think that is one of the most interesting things to me is the opportunity to expand into the various uh, networks that come with those projects to meet the different engineering and design groups and understand how they approach these projects, how that's different from working on, um, say, a residential project and just gaining that experience in life and being able to work on some of these larger scale projects that you might not have the opportunity to do when when um, working particularly, say, in a multifamily uh, residential uh, network or, or business. So I think that is one of the things that that draws me to it is the um, the changing of the assets on a regular basis that one day you're working on a bridge and the next day perhaps it's a large maintenance facility for a municipality or perhaps a treatment facility and getting to know and meet the people who specialize in that industry and learn from them and, and learn a new skill set and basically just build your toolkit um, larger and larger as you progress through these different projects. Thank you to Michael Gabbert for speaking with us today about the role of the professional quantity surveyor on P3 projects. For Knowledge Counts, I'm Wendy Hobbs.